Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we make families the best they can be. In this series of Figuring Out Families that we are calling The Parenting Sessions, we speak to leading experts to give practical, real-world advice to help you grow healthy, well-balanced children and make your life as a parent or grandparent a little easier. I'm David Ahern. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Figuring Out Families. Today I'm talking to Dr. Rosina McAlpine, who's an author, parenting expert and CEO of Win Win Parenting, which supports parents to navigate through ups and downs, through the ups and downs of family life, and learn practical strategies to manage day-to-day parenting challenges. This episode on getting back on track after the pandemic is part of our Parenting Sessions series. Rosina, welcome back. It's been a few months since we last spoke. It has. It's so good to be back. Yeah, no, good Good to have you back on the program. Now, we're looking at uh, COVID. It's sort of uh, dominated us for the last two years, and it's been a real challenge for many of us. Some Australians have suffered uh, more than others in terms of health and loss of income, but it's been very disruptive for individuals and families alike, hasn't it? It has. I don't think anybody has escaped the challenges that we've experienced over the last few years. Obviously, this is something unprecedented. None of us had had prior experience how to deal with this. That's right. And while I think everybody has had their ups and downs and challenges, I really do think for working parents, it's been the biggest challenge because not only have they had to manage work, manage their own personal you know, emotions, mental health, physical well-being, but then they've got to look after their little ones as well or whether those little ones are teenagers or, or you yeah. know, really little ones. That's a big job, managing all of that. Oh, absolutely. How do you think people have fared over well? Just uh, before we started this podcast, you said you'd uh, had uh, we've been talking with a lot of people and you, you were surprised at how many people haven't fared very well. Yes, that's right. So what one of my roles as win-win parenting is we deliver um, workplace parenting education. So that gives me access to thousands and thousands of parents who are working across a variety of industries, government, you know, small business, large business. And I'm able to find out, you know, firsthand what's going on through polls, uh, through being able to ask questions. And one of the things that I've been able to do over this whole two years is just ask, how are you managing and how uh, are your children managing? And what we find is that there is a small percent that are quite overwhelmed, and that's in parents and children. Uh, There's a larger proportion that are, you know, uh, just hanging in there. Then there is a smaller proportion again who are going, well, I'm doing okay every day. And then there are smaller, even smaller proportion of people saying that they are doing really well. So you can see it's like a bell curve, right? From I'm overwhelmed to I'm really doing well. And in the middle there's I'm just hanging in there, you know, and so um, and faring well on most days. So I think really we could say that, People are, you know, as we always know, things tend to happen on that lovely bell curve. 
Um, we've got a small, small yes. uh, number struggling, a small number really knocking it out the park, just managing this really well, and then a big chunk in the middle. Right. Is it a small percentage, do you think? And I mean, I mean, I know it's just a, a ballpark figure, but a small percentage when you said people are just hanging in there, do you reckon it's a small number or...? Oh, no, that's that's the middle of the curve where we've oh, okay. got a small, you know, a real small percentage that are overwhelmed with life. They're the ones that are just not coping, feel overwhelmed, may need professional support, um, you know, just not managing. Then there's a bigger proportion. The two bigger proportions are I'm just hanging in there and it's quite a decent proportion. Like, you know, let's say about like 25% and the same thing with, you know, the or and then about 30%. 40% will be saying, no, I'm doing okay. And then there's the up and down. There's a big proportion that's in the middle there that goes, yeah, I, I'm doing well most days, but sometimes I'm just hanging in there. So that middle section, I'd say we've got like probably 20 at either end and then 60% in the middle, you know, like that. Yeah. But again, look- this is just based on the working parents that I've been talking to who come to my sessions. Obviously, that's not representative of the people who are not joining the sessions, who are not getting the support, who are not, you know, even able to come. So this is just what I'm seeing when I survey families. Sure. And uh, look, let's be honest, uh, there's not a lot of good news around at the moment. I mean, the war in Ukraine, the, the constant talk of interest rates going up, the cost of food prices going up, petrol. I can, you know, you can understand why a lot of people are, are not really in a great mental space at the moment. That's right. And, you know, as you say, you know, when you look at the whole situation that we're under, where everyone's under a great deal of stress. Uh, When you're in life, normally, normally, we have one or two stresses, right? It might be stress at work or stress with the kids or stress with health or, you know, we don't normally get it piled on like this. Um, And it's when we get multiple stresses and we don't have the resilience, we don't have the coping capacity. Um, and that goes for, you know, our young children, our teenagers, ourselves as parents. And then, of course, you know, many of us are in the sandwich generation, which is not just looking after children, but looking after elders, caring for parents, aunties, uncles, you know. So if you add that stress again, um, you can understand why, you know, parents, uh, working parents uh, might not be doing as well um, as as they would like to be doing under the circumstances. Yes, I mean, there are a lot of good reasons for people not coping at the moment. I, I mean, I'm a baby boomer and really up until the last couple of years, I've had a dream run. I can't complain. I, you know, out of work for a short time in the early 1990s. But apart from that, uh, nothing to complain about. But then, of course, the pandemic came along. And yeah, with all that's going on at the moment, uh, yeah, it, it is difficult for a lot of people. Uh, Rosina, what are some of the big issues affecting families at the moment? I know you've touched upon it, but perhaps you could elaborate a bit more. Well, I think uncertainty is the biggest challenge at the moment. You know, um, uncertainty, as you said, around the world, uh, but also uncertainty in your job, uncertainty in school. You know, you might send your child to school one day or preschool and then there's a case and depending on what's happening in your state, you might have school closures and, you know, learning from home. You might just have that child isolating. You might have testing. So I think I think probably the biggest challenge is, is uncertainty. As human beings, we like certainty. We like to plan things. We like to know that when we send our child to school and there's 
10 weeks of term, that that's where they're going to be for the next 10 weeks, you know, that if we book a holiday, we yes. can go, you know, those sorts of things. So yeah. I think <laughs> uncertainty is a big challenge for families. Um, it's also a challenge for children. I mean, before you'd be able to say, yep, go and play your sport. Yep, let's go, you know, let's have a birthday party and invite all your friends. Yep, let's go on that travel, you know. Um, and so, yes, you can invite your friends over. Yes, you can go and be with your friends. But, you know, that hasn't been the case um, for the last two years. So I think the social aspects, missing our friends, um, the the uncertainty of everything, the extra load, if you're, you know, um, trying to homeschool or, you know, remote learn um, and do work and take care of the house, you know, and try and get some exercise in there as well <laughs> and then make sure you go and see grandma and grandpa and make sure they're all right as well and get them something. So, you know, it it, it was a big stress and a big burden for many people. But that's not to say that some people weren't managing it very well, some people hanging in there. It's just there is a smaller proportion of people that just need extra support because the burden is extra great on them and they don't have the resources, whether they're internal, external support, financial, whatever those resources are, to be able to meet the demands that are in their life. Yeah, no, exa exactly right. And some people are a little more resilient than others and we all have our strong points and our weak points. And uh, it's not uh, it's not a weakness to uh, put your hand up and say, I, I need some help. It's really uh, what a lot of people are doing and I applaud that. Well, actually, I, I, I'm really glad that you said that. I, I'm really glad that you said that because a lot of people think that res resilient people don't ask for help that resilient people get on with it. That's actually not true. When you look at the research on resilience, uh, those who are resilient know when they need to get help and ask for it. That's how they become resilient because they get over their problem and know yeah. when they can do it themselves. Sure. So asking for help is definitely part of being a resilient human being. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, Rosina, the physical, emotional, social and mental well-being of people has been tested big time, as we've discussed. Can you pass on some tips to help people in these areas? Absolutely. One of the things that, you know, many people have been saying is that, you know, my routine's out of, you know, whack and now I don't have the time or the space or the energy to uh, keep up my, you know, physical well-being. And that's where I think we have to look at our mindset and just say to ourselves, look, as a parent, as a leader of a family, if I'm not faring well physically, socially, emotionally, my mental, you know, well-being, if I'm not faring well, our children are looking to us. That means they are less likely to fare well. If they can see a parent that, look, times are tough, but they're managing, you know, they get up every morning, they get the routine done, they're looking after themselves, they're looking after the family. You know, sure, they might be down sometimes, but then they're up most of the time. So one of the things that we have yeah. to understand as a parent is that whole concept of, you know, my physical and mental well-being has to be actually my number one priority. I have to look after myself so that I've got a full jug to be able to look after my children. And I talk about, you know, my, my little byline is, throw the idea of self-care as selfish in the rubbish 
because it's ridiculous and instead of talking about being <laughs> self-full, right? And when you're self-full, you've got so much more yep. to give, right? If you collapse on your children, your partner, your workplace, your, you know, parents, well, you've got nothing to give. So step number one, even if you can only do a little bit of physical exercise, try and do it uh, regularly outside, um, you know, a 10, 15-minute walk in nature can do so much good for physical and mental well-being. Um, try and eat a little better, you know, a, a bit more fresh fruit and vegetables. You know, we don't need to be gourmet cooks. Cut up some carrots and celery sticks, you know, throw <laughs> a stir fry together. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it's not about gourmet. It's just about yes. saying if I eat junk food, it's what it is. If I eat junk food, it's junk, you know, like if I'm eating unhealthy food, it's unhealthy food going in my body. If I eat fresh fruit and vegetables, to the best of my ability, I've got fresh fruit vitamins going into my body. So keeping it really simple, not pressure, you know, some fresh fruit and vegetables, a walk, and then something for your mental well-being. And it could be anything like breathing exercises if you get overwhelmed or meditation or mindfulness practices where you just simply do some stretching and feel your body, um, you know, loving kindness exercises, all sorts of things that you can find really five to ten minutes on the internet if you don't know how to do it yourself um, to be able to work with your mental well-being. And then your emotional well-being, same thing, you know, do we have techniques? Can I manage my emotions? Do I, you know, when I get angry, am I, you know, ruminating over and over and over about the bad things that are <laughs> happening? Or am I looking for solutions? Am I, you know, saying thank you for everything? that's in my life, for the roof over my head, for the children, yes, yes, those children in the lounge mm. room making noise, you know, for the sunshine outside, for the food in my fridge, for the hot shower I had this morning. Do you know what I mean? Like what am I focusing on? That's yes, really yes. going to help our emotional well-being, our positivity. And finally, you know, our social yep. well-being has been really interrupted and we are social human beings. You know, we, we need we need to be connected. We need to be talking. We need to be sharing. We need to be caring for others. And so even if, you know, there are circumstances where you can't connect physically, very important to connect, you know, um, on the phone, via video calls, um, via emails and text messages, making sure that that connection, that social interaction, sending photos, do you know what I mean? Like, so that so that that social is still happening. Yes. Now, there's my little tips. Just be simple about your exercise and your eating. Connect. Don't forget to connect. Don't isolate with your emotions. Try and be grateful and positive where possible. And, you know, with your mental well-being, get some techniques and tips. You know, we weren't born with um, academic knowledge um, and we're not necessarily born with mental well-being. So we need the, tr the tips and the strategies and the ideas and the processes so you know get on with uh learning some strategies yeah and it's not always easy being positive but it is one of those things you can learn uh i think a lot of people their their default position is especially if they've just turned on the news is to become quite negative and think the world is a terrible place but uh, some of those tips you've passed on are absolutely uh uh, uh, fantastic and it's so true and you can learn i think to even wake up in a positive mood yeah, look, that's absolutely the case. 
um, you know, a lot of people say practice makes perfect. I don't like that at all. I think, you know, trying to be perfect puts too much pressure on you. But one of the things that I don't think people realize is that practice makes permanent. If you practice and practice and practice being skeptical, negative, critical, down, you get really good at it. If you practice being positive and optimistic yes. and looking for the, you know, the, the, the silver lining as opposed to the cloud, you get really good at it. You know, that's, that's all there is to it. It's quite simple. But, you know, this is where, <laughs> this is where the difference is. One of the things we have to understand to be able to do that is that, of course, if you have a mental health issue, then this is not the case. So, but if you don't, if you're not clinically depressed, you know, if you, if you don't have, you know, a diagnosed mental health issue, so let's put those people aside. If you do not have that, then positivity is a choice. You can choose in every moment of every day to see the best in people or the worst in people, to see the best in life or the worst in life, to see the best in the day or the worst in the day. You know, how, however, having said that, for people who are clinically depressed, who have mental health issues, they may not be able to. So we can't say that everyone can do it, but anyone who's not, you know, clinically depressed or, or have a mental health that's been clinically assessed um, who may need professional support to be able to find that positivity that optimism it really is a choice but if you don't know you have that choice and you choose not to take that choice then obviously you're not in a position to do that so I really like to stress that that optimism positivity is a choice if you've practiced negativity or you tend to have that kind of personality it will be a harder choice but not an impossible yeah. one. <laughs> and if you tend sure. to be the optimist, um, it's pretty hard to bring an optimist down, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, Rosina, I did a podcast late last year with two tw uh, year 12 students and they spoke candidly about the issues they faced in the final two years of their schooling and basically what they missed out on. I do feel, I mean, we've all suffered a little bit uh, as we've discussed, but I, I do feel for young people and some of those who really have missed out big time on their final years of schooling? Yeah, look, um, there's two ways to look at this again. So first and foremost, we do need to start with the acceptance that life has changed and that, you know, children, especially year 12, who, you know, thought they were going to have a normal year 12 and, you know, uh, be able to live whatever a normal life is at year 12, which is not really normal. It's very stressful, very challenging to, to oh, do that absolutely. year 12. But this was made even more like off the charts, off the scale, you know, challenging. So that's the one thing we need to honour and accept that, that children may feel, those teenagers may feel a loss. They may feel like they've been robbed. Um, but if we stay in that feeling, if we stay with that resentment, if we stay with that anger, that disappointment, uh, where do we go to from there? Like how do you then enjoy the next year where you're at uni or repeating year 12 or whatever it is you're doing? So step number one is to acknowledge, not to dismiss, but to acknowledge, yes, it's been hard. 
it's not been great. We know from many studies, we know from many studies that um, it has been particularly, it's been difficult for all children, but particularly for year 12 who are trying to, you know, worried about getting into university, you know, their, their career. But the second thing to do after you accept, well, it wasn't great, wasn't what I planned, certainly could have done without it. What do I do next? Do I hang on to that and be resentful and bitter and angry and take that into the rest of my life? Or do I say, well, that's what happened. What am I going to do next? How am I going to make the rest of my life, you know, positive and optimistic and look at, you know, the, my achievements. I got through this and I did it. And look, I am at uni or I am in my job or I am repeating it and getting another turn at it. Now, I remember my, my 14-year-old son said to me, Mum, I'm missing out on seeing my friends. My life has changed. I, you know, again, like the typical, you know, teenager who couldn't do soccer, couldn't go and play with his friends, couldn't go to school, couldn't see you know, do all the things he wanted to do. And I, and I simply said to him, well, I, I get it. I get it. You know, yeah. you start with that acknowledgement. You don't dismiss feelings. I miss my friends. I miss that interaction. I get it. I hear you. Please don't think that I don't understand. But are we going to stay stuck in that? Or are we going to look for ways that you can connect with your friends online, that you can do things that you love? You know, what are we going to do to make this better? I also said to him, what do you think the average age expectancy is, you know, for your generation? And I think he said something like 90 years. And I said, and how old are you? And he said, 14. And I said, what's the difference between that? And I think we came up with something like 76 years. And I said, so, yeah, yeah, right now these last two years haven't been good, but there are 76 more years for you to enjoy your life. So let's look forward, not back. You know, so that's that's what I'm saying. It's that ability to, you know, accept what's happening with you, but to move forward. Yeah, no, very good point, uh, Rosina. Now, sadly, and I don't want to bring the, the, the topic down a bit, but a recent newspaper poll suggested one in four young Australians, those aged between 16 and 24, had thought about suicide over the past two years and 15% attempted self-harm a staggering 82% said they had experienced mental health issues during COVID-19. That is a real concern. Look, you know, you know that's heartbreaking. And I have on and off over the last two years with all of the stresses that I've been seeing with children, with parents, with grandparents, been crying about just these things. You know, it's horrific to think that a child, a child doesn't want to be here, like that wants to self-harm. This is yeah. just, you know, it's it's unfathomable, right? It is. So, so this yep. is where yep. I say again, we have to accept where we are but do something about it. Now, one of the things that I feel very strongly about is that, you know, first of all, what our children are seeing online really scary stuff. Where do you think these ideas come to them from? You know, I'm not sure that all of these ideas just pop into their head, right? That, you know, you're just sitting there and all of a sudden it says, yep, let me self-harm. Yep, let me kill myself. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure that that that's what happens. They have seen it on TV. They've they've seen it on social media. They've seen it online. And that means 
it's in their brain. So one of the things that I'm very concerned about is what our children are accessing. And, you know, with the with the amazing AI and amazing technology we've got, you would think that our internet providers, our, you know, worldwide web providers would be able to remove all that negative stuff that is influencing our teenagers, the, the, you know, the body imaging and all of those things. So one of the things is I feel like, you know, those external influences, negative external influences are having a big role in this. That's that's what I see. Again, the okay. gaming, yes. you know, the gaming is another thing. And the other thing is, so not just the externally negative influences, where are the positive influences? You know, when we were growing up as, you know, uh, children, did you learn mental health, well-being at school? Yes. Did you learn emotional regulation at school? We did not. Um, so parents don't have it. No. Um, these no. kids are not getting it either, right? They're not getting, you know, all of the techniques and issues that we can talk about with positive mental health to keep our mental health well, emotional regulation, you know, all of those sorts of things. So I think we've got two fronts there. One of them is to get rid of the negative things that, that children are seeing that are having a negative influence on them. And on the second side, to start in the same way we teach them to read and write so that they learn over time, we teach them about, you know, mental well-being, physical well-being, social well-being, emotional well-being, because they are the foundations of a good, happy life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, we didn't learn any of that. Uh, not in my day. I was in, at school in the 60s and 70s and uh, those sort of topics very rarely came up. It just no, wasn't done. Absolutely not. You know, if, if you got upset, your teacher would say, calm down. How's that? You know, supporting your emotional or mental well-being. Calm down, <laughs> right? Get over it. You know? Yes, yeah. true. Yeah, Get on it, with it. Yeah, Get that's over right. It. We bred them yeah. tough back then. <laughs> oh, they were, we're bred very tough, absolutely. And if you got out of uh, control, you know, six of the best or all that sort exactly. of stuff. Thankfully, that's a thing of the past. Yeah. Now, Rosita, moving forward, what do you think as a society we've learned from the past two years, families in particular perhaps? Okay, I think, well... Oh, there's so many things. I think the biggest thing that, that families realise, well, there's so many. Oh, sorry, it's such a big question. <laughs> Let me see if I can gather my thoughts and come with some yeah. some semblance of a sensible sure. answer. Well, first of all, if I had a dollar for every parent that said to me I want more time with my children, that that's my biggest parenting problem, I would be a very, very rich woman. And all of a sudden, parents got their wish. Yeah. So I think one of the positive things that's come out of the pandemic is parents did get more time with their children. Now, I know that there were challenging aspects to that, but they they learnt what skills they did or didn't have in the parenting domain, and many were seeking more support. When you've got your children full-time with you, no school, no nothing, you need to have a few more strategies for managing day-to-day -day parenting challenges. So I think Number one, family spending time together. Number two, um, they learnt more about their children's education, where their child was at, rather than a 
15 minute, you know, meeting with the teacher, your child can and can't do this and doing well, not doing well, um, immersed in their learning with, with them, showed them where their challenges were, where their, where their strengths were. And I think parents got a much greater appreciation for teachers. I think they've been very critical of teachers over the years and after home learning, yeah. uh, they're yes. like, oh, they're angels. I love the teachers. Um, and I yeah. think I think you're right yeah. that, you know, we've also learnt that we can get through really tough times, really, really tough times. Um, so that resilience has been there and it's still ongoing, really. Uh, so I think there's been many positives, many learnings, um, but there's still many to come as well as we, you know, support our own physical, mental well-being. And one of the things I think that they need that, you know, a lot of families need to do at the moment is that reset that we're talking about, getting back on track. Um, I've just got a survey right in front of me at the moment and it says, you know, in general, how are you feeling about your work family life? 12% said overwhelmed, 10% said uninspired, 62% said on autopilot just doing what I have to do each day, 14% hopeful, mm. 2% joyful. So what we really need to do is move that 62% from on autopilot to hopeful to joyful. So I think that's what the pandemic has taught us, that so, we've survived yeah. this, we're on autopilot, and we're getting through it, but now we have to reset. Now we have to find what brings joy in my life. How do I get back to um, appreciating my family, my workplace, my own personal life, my home, you know, and getting that joy back, that hope back that really is at, you know, front and centre at a beautiful life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I've, I've struggled at times, to be absolutely honest, to find the joy in life. And uh, it's all relative, but you see photos of families struggling in the Ukraine and uh, you know, dodging bombs and things, and you think, well, really, I've got nothing to complain about, but it is all relative and you're just dealing with what you've got in your own little neighbourhood, don't you? That's exactly right. And I think that's why, number one, we shouldn't, well, I don't like using that word, but number one, we we need to acknowledge our own challenges. Everybody is experiencing a challenge, whether or not, you know, it's because I'm trying to work and I've got my children here and I'm trying to home learn or it's, you know, our income is lower or whether I'm not feeling like going for, you know, a walk, I don't have enough food in the fridge, whatever it is, we've got to accept that's how we feel right now. The second step is do we want to stay there? You know, do we want to problem solve? Do we want to look at the positive aspects in our life or just focus on the negative? So I really do agree with you. You know, to dismiss, to say that things haven't been tough is nuts, but to stay there is also going to lead to mental and physical uh, harm, not well-being. Yeah, exactly right. It's uh, moving into that positive frame of mind which you spoke about earlier. And uh, Rosina, just to finish off, you probably already uh, capped off a couple of the main points, but if you've got anything else to add, please do. Yeah, I think for me uh, we have to start with that self-care. Be gentle on yourself, be loving with yourself. Think about it, if you fill yourself with empathy, if you fill yourself with joy, if you fill yourself with love, you are overflowing. You're going to be kinder and more loving to the kids, kinder and more loving in the workplace, kinder and more loving to your partner if you have one. 
You are just going to be the human being that, that is the light of family and workplace as opposed to if we're not looking after ourselves. So I would say, you know, make those tiny changes. Go for that little walk. You know, make that that carrot juice if you want to or eat a few more, you know, apples and oranges, you know, little things that you could do. Drink a bit more water. Uh, look at something funny. Cuddle those kids or your partner if you've got them. Look around the room and go, thank you for my roof. Thank you for my fridge. Thank you for the grass out the front. Thank you for the tree I can see through the window. You know, all of that I feel are the little things that we can do to make our life so much better for ourselves and for others. And uh, there are only a few simple things you really need to do. I mean, personally, I'm not going to drink carrot juice, but uh, perhaps orange juice. But you're right. It is just about having a positive mindset and being thankful. And I know a few people like that. And as soon as they get up, they they look out the window. And even if it's a grey day, in their mind, it is a sunny blue sky day. And I, I love that way of thinking. Yeah. And even if it's a rainy day, I like to say, thank you for washing the earth. Thank you for um watering the garden so that I don't have to do you know what I mean it's the silver lining thing (laughs) thank you for giving children puddles to splash in (laughs) there's always a silver lining yes and that's that's probably a good um uh, line to finish on there is always a silver lining so true Rosina as usual lovely talking to you thank you very much for your time Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I love sharing ideas, you know, because I think as we move forward, we're now at the stage where we can be so much more hopeful and find that joy in life because that's really what it's about, loving each other, enjoying every moment, and, of course, you know, getting up after the wobbles. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very true. Thank you, Rosina. Bye for now.